it's time for the reading, and our reading tonight is from Romans chapter 14, verses 1 to 12. So, Romans chapter 14, verses 1 to 12. Accept him whose faith is weak, without passing judgment on disputable matters. One's, one man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not, and the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One man considers one day more sacred than another, another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, Every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Okay, that's our reading. Now I'll hand over to Chris, who will explain it to us. Good evening, everyone. Let's pray as we come to God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its truth and its power. We pray now that by the power of your Spirit, we might hear your voice speaking to us, showing us more of ourselves, of our sin, of our need for a Saviour, and showing us Christ and all that he's done for us. In his name we pray. Amen. How should we treat Christians with whom we disagree? There are many issues in the Christian life which are non-negotiable. The deity of Christ, the Trinity, salvation by faith alone in Christ, and so we could go on. There are many issues where the Bible is crystal clear and there's no scope for disagreement between believers. But there are other issues, some in this chapter of Scripture, where Christians may take different views and live differently. Here in Romans 14, the issues are diet and dates. Some Christians will not eat certain foods. Other Christians feel free to eat anything. Some Christians keep the Jewish calendar, Sabbath and festivals, other Christians feel free 
from the Jewish calendar. Diet and dates are the great issues in Romans 14. Today, in 2021, there are other secondary issues over which Christians may legitimately disagree, while still accepting one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Worship style is a big one. Some Christians prefer to live in the 17th and 18th centuries when it comes to worship. They appreciate the great hymns of the Puritan tradition. Other Christians feel that they only meet with God if the very latest songs are sung, by which they mean songs written in the last few months, accompanied by a cool and funky band. The 18th centurists probably prefer organ accompaniment. Another big issue is Christians' attitude to alcohol, whether Christians should go to clubs or pubs. Some Christians feel perfectly free to do these things. Other Christians feel that it would be always be wrong for them. It would be wrong to support the brewery business. And just recently, a fault line has opened up regarding Christians' attitudes to the pandemic. Some Christians would like to keep the restrictions. Others would like to throw caution to the wind. And so we could go on, describing secondary issues where Christians disagree. How are Christians to handle such disagreements? The Apostle Paul describes two categories of Christians in these verses, the weak and the strong. The weak are weak in conscience or weak in faith. In other words, their consciences are tender. They feel afraid of doing the wrong thing. They err on the side of caution. They will always decide not to do something. They will always be drawn to rules and law-keeping, because their conscience troubles them. They have a weak conscience, which can't take a lot of strain. The other group are what Paul calls the strong. This group are very aware of the freedom they enjoy in Christ. Paul includes himself in this group. The strong do not have such tender consciences, and feel very free. So they will ignore the Old Testament laws about diet, and they'll ignore the Old Testament laws about dates. They're very clear that as believers in Jesus Christ, they're entirely free from keeping the Old Testament laws of Judaism. The principles in tonight's verses are Accept the one whose faith is weak. Do not quarrel over disputable matters. Because thirdly, Jesus is going to judge our lives. Firstly then, accept the one whose faith is weak. Verse 1. Accept the one whose faith is weak. Why is this? Verse 2. One person's faith allows them to eat anything. But another whose faith is weak, eats only vegetables. 
The person in view here is probably from a Jewish background. We've seen that there are two groups within the Roman Church. Christians from a Jewish background and Christians from a Gentile background. And the Jewish Christians are inclined to keep the Old Testament diet and date laws. And the Gentile Christians are likely to see themselves as free from these rules. There are exceptions to this, like for example the Apostle Paul himself. Paul is from a Jewish background, but Paul has a strong conscience. Paul is very aware of his freedom in Christ. He will eat anything. He is not anxious about keeping the dates of the Jewish calendar. But by and large, in the Roman Church, there are Jewish Christians who still feel very obliged to keep Jewish food laws and the Jewish calendar, and there are Gentile Christians who think nothing of a bacon sandwich or a pork sausage, etc. So verse 2, one person's faith allows them to eat anything. This is probably the Gentile Christian, who doesn't feel bound by the Old Testament food laws, who sees all food as clean. Based on the fact, of course, that Jesus declared all food clean. Mark chapter 7 verse 18. Are you so dull, says Jesus? Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Similarly, in Acts chapter 10 verse 9 and following, the Apostle Peter is praying. He feels hungry and God gives him a vision of a sheet covered with unclean animals. And God says, get up Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. And God says, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. In other words, the Old Testament laws about food are abolished in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul understands this. The Gentile believers understand this. But some Jewish believers are so anxious not to break the Old Testament food laws that they become vegetarians. They're afraid to meet, eat meat at all in case the meat is not kosher. There is also the whole issue in the New Testament of whether meat has been sacrificed to idols before being sold on to the butcher. This is a great concern to some Christians in other parts of the New Testament. For these more legalistic Christians, verse 2, their faith is weak, so they eat only vegetables, in case the meat they're eating is not kosher. Now you might think the Apostle Paul would be strident about this issue and tell the weak that they need to change. They need to take a leaf out of the Strong's book. 
However, look what Paul says in verse 3. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. Why not? Why must we not judge one another? Well, the end of verse 3, for God has accepted them. God accepts all people who come to him trusting in Jesus as their saviour and making Jesus king of their life. This is the line, the only line, that has to be drawn. Do people belong to Jesus? If they do, then they are a brother or sister in Christ. God has accepted them, and so I must accept them too. I must not separate myself from a fellow believer if they belong to Christ and God has accepted them. I must be as inclusive as God and as exclusive as God. Verse 4 Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master servants stand or fall. And they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. In other words, God alone is the judge. The believer with the weak faith or conscience is God's servant. He will judge them. And in this instance, God has enabled them to stand. God accepts them and as being fit to stand in his presence. God is not offended by their conservative, perhaps even anxious approach to disputable matters. God accepts the weak just as he accepts the strong, purely on the basis of Christ's death on the cross and the individual's trust in him and love for Christ. Similarly, verse 5, one person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. So why do Christians disagree about the use of Sundays? In the Old Testament, the Sabbath is Saturday. So when we're told in the fourth of the Ten Commandments to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, six days shall you labour and do all your work, but on the seventh day it is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. The Sabbath day in the Old Testament is Saturday. In the New Testament, the Christians start meeting early on a Sunday morning, which is a working day. They meet on Sundays because this is the day on which Christ rose from the dead. And this day, Sunday, becomes known as the Lord's Day. For many centuries, a Christian Sabbath 
the Lord's Day, was imposed on society. There was no sport, the shops were closed, only essential work was done. It was the Thatcher government in the 1980s which threw off the restraint of the Christian Sabbath and legislated for the opening of the shops. There's no doubt that Sunday shopping, the playing of sport on Sundays, and more recently the adoption of a seven-day working week by society, has been extremely detrimental to the Christian church. We never allowed our children to play sport on a Sunday. We took the view that Sunday was for church and that we went to church as a family. I realise, however, how difficult this is for young families. Our Robbie really wanted to play rugby, but youth rugby was always on a Sunday morning. So we said he couldn't go to it. The Apostle Paul is, however, non-legalistic and non-judgmental about these issues. The key point is that whatever we feel it is right to do, we do so fully convinced in our own mind. The weak Christian is fully convinced that Sunday is now the Christian Sabbath and keeps this day special to the Lord, to the worship of the Lord. Whereas the strong Christian who does not feel bound by rules when it comes to what they can or can't do on the Lord's Day, also keeps every day as for God. That's the point. Not that Sunday isn't a special day. For the strong, in Paul's argument, every day is lived for the glory of God. Sport is played for the glory of God. So Christians in sport have their slogan, pray, play, say. Pray first, commit your life to Christ, then play sport and play it for the glory of God. Therefore, because worship is the whole of life, sport is played for the glory of God. Worship God through your sport. Then very importantly, say. Speak up about Christ. Talk about the Lord Jesus with those you play sport with. So the strong do all this to the Lord, for the glory of the Lord. Similarly, the person who eats all meats gives thanks to God for their food and eats the meat to the glory of God. Whereas the person who abstains from meat also does so to the glory of God, giving thanks to God. So, accept the one whose faith is weak. Secondly, do not quarrel over disputable matters. Verse 1 again. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarrelling over disputable matters. 
There are some matters in the Christian life which are disputable. You can argue them either way. And the key thing is that we do not quarrel over such matters. We may discuss these things, such as the nature of baptism, the events surrounding the return of Christ, whether there will be a literal millennium. Other issues are disputable, such as the nature of church government, whether our churches should be independent or Anglican or Presbyterian or Baptist. All these things are up for argument. But we should not quarrel over these matters. And for the Roman Christians, they should not quarrel over diet and dates. Verse 7. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. We don't live or die for our own glory. We live and die to please the Lord. This should be our fundamental attitude. We want to please the Lord by the way that we live. Verse 8. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. This was the point of Christ's death. Verse 9. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. The reason Jesus died was to purchase a people for himself, who will live and die for his glory alone. Living for Christ's glory is the important issue. There are plenty of people in history who've lived a legalistic and joyless Christian life, but not lived for the glory of Christ. They've lived for themselves, for their own glory, that people should be impressed by their piety. And there are plenty of Christians today who've thrown off the shackles of Christian legalism, but who are not living for the glory of Jesus. They're just indulging themselves by taking time off on a Sunday or at any other time during the week. So we all need to ask ourselves, am I living my life for the glory of Jesus? Do I view myself as being purchased by Christ? so that he is Lord of my life and he is the focus of my life. Because very significantly, Jesus is going to judge my life. Accept the one whose faith is weak. Do not quarrel over disputable matters because thirdly, Jesus is going to judge our lives. I'm going to have to justify to King Jesus why I made the decisions that I did during my life. Why I chose to drink alcohol. 
why I chose to be a vegetarian, why I chose to be my own to do my own thing on a Sunday evening when I could have come to Sunday at six. Verse ten. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge me. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. God is going to judge each of our lives. Therefore it's not my place to pass judgment on my fellow Christians for the way that they live their life, for the decisions they take. Whether those decisions are about what they eat or drink, or about how they spend the Lord's Day, or about other secondary issues such as whether they go to the pub or how they spend their money or any other of a countless list of secondary issues. So how should we relate to Christians with whom we disagree? Accept the one whose faith is weak. Do not quarrel over disputable matters because Jesus is going to judge our lives. How are we doing with all this? Do we accept those whose consciences are more or less tender than ours? Are we avoiding quarrels, if at all possible? Are we living our lives in the light of the fact that Jesus is going to judge us. The great Puritan Richard Baxter is reported as having said, in essentials unity, in non-essentials liberty, in all things charity. That's a very good motto, isn't it? for the Christian life. In the essential matters of the faith, we must be united. We must bring ourselves under the authority of the Bible. In non-essential matters, we are free. We have liberty to make our own minds up, to follow our own consciences before God. And in all things, we must have charity, love for one another. Shall we pray and ask for God's help with this now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to accept one another as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and not to quarrel. Lord, where your word is crystal clear, may we be absolutely united. On these secondary issues, where there is scope for dispute, help us to show charity to one another. 
Help us to live in the light of the fact that Jesus will judge our lives. Lord, give us humility. Give us grace, we pray, to please you in all these matters. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.